Welcome to another message of hope from Gateway Church Australia. For more information or to contact us, please visit gateway.asn.au. But thank you for being here today. It's great. And we're in a series called Becoming, which is talking about what it means to become a disciple of Jesus. Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you know, the, the job is to become a disciple. Um, and if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, I pray that you know, what we share this morning will show you something about how God values human flourishing and how God intersects human flourishing and promotes it through his people. And today I want to talk to you about being uh, becoming lovers of generosity. You know, for many years I've had the privilege of knowing personally the ambassador uh, of Taiwan to Papua New Guinea. And Mr Hu and his wife have become great friends of the Gateway Children's Fund, which is an international child development agency that was started by this church, which operates in the slums of Papua New Guinea. And he and his wife have been more than generous on many occasions to our school. And every time I meet him, which is quite regularly, he always asks after the school and how it's going and is there anything that he can do for it. He is a very gracious and a very generous man. Um, and, you know, it's been such a, an honour to know him. I mention that to you because uh, as followers of Jesus, those of you who, who do follow Jesus, we are meant to be ambassadors for him. You know, an ambassador is a diplomat of the highest rank. They are sent by their king or their country or their government to represent in a foreign nation. And they, um, they do so, uh, what they do is referred to as a mission. So the ambassador has a mission in that other country. And they're there to build relationships with the country. They're there to, to broker agreements, maybe trade agreements or other sorts of agreements. They're also there to clarify for the, that government the values of their government and their king. So they're there to represent and, and, and to clarify what their nation stands for. And they speak and act as if they were the king or as if they were their government. As I said, we are called to be ambassadors for Jesus if we are followers of Christ. So we are called to speak and act for Jesus. And, you know, when people see us, hopefully they see what he values coming through us. That's, that's kind of like the deal. So if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, it begs the question, um, how are you doing with that? What do people see in our lives? Uh, do they see Jesus? Um, how well do we represent in that space? There are several characteristics that mark out a Christian follower, and most people would be able to tell you in the world, you know, it's love and it's grace. But I, as I said, I want to talk to you about the character of generosity, which marks out the life of Jesus. And really, it's, it's the characteristic through which God produces human flourishing in the world. And that's where the leverage is for followers of Jesus. You know, we're according to give to others and to have a generosity of spirit. And according to Jesus, that's an essential thing. It's not an optional add-on for a Christian. If, if you're a follower of his, and that's, that's up to you to decide, he says that generosity is an essential act of faith, part of God's vision, as I said, for human flourishing. 
A few years ago, I was called at home very late one night, very late, by a man who was in trouble and he said he needed money. He'd run out of fuel at the petrol station and couldn't pay. Um, and he said if he didn't get to work the next day, he'd afraid he'd lose his job. And he was asking me for money. So I said to him, you know, pal, sorry, uh, our policy is we don't give money, but we do help. So I arranged to drive down and meet him at the service station. And uh, on the way in, I had a few little doubts going through my head, you know, like, am I being scammed here, you know? Um, is he really in need or did he just find my phone number and go, he's, he's a good lurk, I don't know. But I went in anyway and I paid $70, as I remember, to fill up his tank. And he said to me, look, give me your address because I want to pay you back. Now, we don't ask people to pay back generosity, but that was his idea. Um, so I gave him our details and, and I forgot to even ask him his name. Uh, but then again, he forgot to come back and pay it back anyway, so not that I was expecting him to. But the, the whole sort of experience left me a little bit unsettled uh, in that moment. You know, I had helped a fellow human being, but if I was, if I was honest, through my eyes, he looked a little bit dodgy. <laughs> I was wondering whether he'd just scam me out of 70 bucks. I guess I'll never know. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I moved to help a person anyway. And I mentioned that story to you today and I thought of it as, as I was preparing this message because I realised that in my heart, and I suspect maybe other people's hearts, maybe your heart here today perhaps, that there are things that we believe about money, about generosity and about people that get in the way of living as Jesus would want us to represent him. That's, that's my hunch. I think there are lies that the world tells us that come to us from all sorts of things about what to do with money and what money is and things that allow even followers of Jesus to develop an attitude which can lead to false belief and therefore inaction when it comes to serving and helping people. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I thought, in the time remaining, let's look at some of those false beliefs that come towards us um, and try and persuade us. And then let's look at the truth of what God believes about human flourishing and the role that followers of Jesus have in that. The first false belief that can block our generosity is a belief that says, God helps those that helps themselves. I can still remember my grandma saying that to me. Many people believe actually that this is a Bible verse but it ain't. It's not a Bible verse. It's actually attributed to a guy called Benjamin Franklin, who was a founding father of the United States. And he was a scientist and a politician, not sure that he was actually a, a believing, professing Christian. He, he could have been, but certainly uh, he's the guy who said that originally. And it sort of says that God only helps those that get their act together and work hard. But, but I asked myself the question this week, is that the God we really want? Is that the God you really want that only helps people that get their act together and work hard? Because like, what about the poor? What about the innocent? What about those with disability? And at various levels, those three groups of people are in need of help. So I, I think that this God helps those that helps themselves is a judgmental mindset and it blocks our generosity and it's not true. 
The second false belief that will come towards us, and you may have heard as well, if I give things away, I have less for me. Confession time, I have said that at one time or other about myself. And it's a false belief that really basically says that there's only so much to go around. I mean, I know what I earn each week and, you know, I know what my bills are and, you know, there's only so much to go around. And it sort of sounds super logical and reasonable and rational to say that. And so therefore, if we buy into that, we will live a life where our money dictates what we do. We do things if we have it, we don't if we don't. And it's basically a limited supply kind of a view. But again, I ask the question, how does that fit with any definition you may have of God? I mean, are we seriously thinking that God is limited in supply if he is who we say he is or who other people say he is? I think not. But it's a scarcity mindset and it's a barrier to generosity and it's not true. The third thing that comes towards us in life is, well, what I have is mine for my benefit. You know, I earned it. Um, I deserve it, you know, I'm entitled to spend it as I want. Nobody tells me what to do with my money. And especially churches are always asking for your money. So, you know, I fully expected that this guy would talk about money this morning. I'm not talking about money, I'm talking about generosity. It's a different thing. And this is a false belief because it, it basically says the things we possess, our time, talent and treasure, are just for us to use. Um, and I, I just think if we think about that a little even bit more broadly, it's an attitude that doesn't give much thought to the need for others, except you know, when we're intersected by, or, intersected by it or we come across an opportunity to do it, we don't generally think about others in that scenario. And, and we call this an entitlement mentality, an entitlement mindset. It's a barrier to generosity. Um, and it's not true. It's not true in the economy of God. Now, if you're really daring and you're brave, I go into this a lot more in the Going Deeper section, the teaching section that we put online each week. You can access that through the church news if you get it, or if not, sign up for church news. You'll see my little video in there, including drawings. Um, or you can go to the info desk in the foyer and they'll help you to access that. But just be warned, it's only for brave hearts. Don't watch it if you don't want to be challenged, all right? Just fair warning. So let's move from the false beliefs that come towards us to what is the truth about becoming lovers of generosity, which is the becoming that Jesus has in mind for us. Well, against those three things, the first thing I'd say is God helps the helpless. God helps the helpless, and I'm personally glad that that's true because this is a mercy mindset. The scripture says God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So God does help those who help themselves, but he also helps the helpless by his mercy. And interestingly, that help most of the time comes through God's people. You know, God has stopped raining manna from heaven. If you know that story in the Old Testament, how he looked after, I'll come back to that in a minute. But he, he reigns manna through his people. And so he wants us to become lovers of generosity so that we can become the hands and feet of Jesus and we can take account of the needs of others. And it's really just a very practical way that we can help. You know, some people think you know, Christianity is not practical and not relevant. Well, here's where the rubber hits the road. When we practice generosity, we help God to help the helpless. And it's a precious privilege. 
The second truth is that there is enough for everyone. There is enough for everyone. You know, uh, I've lived uh, my life in part uh, with, you know, if I give, I'll have uh, less for me. Well, there is enough for everyone. And that really is what we call an abundance mindset. Let me take you into that. In the Old Testament section of the Bible, there's a story about the exodus of God's people from Egypt to the promised land. Along the way, they run out of food. And so they call upon the Lord to help them. Sounded something like this. Help! Okay. I don't know. Maybe it was in Hebrew. I I don't know. Um, And so he said he would help them and he rained down manna in the mornings like toast for breakfast. Pretty cool. Um, Not sure if there was Vegemite, but anyway. Uh, and he said he would rain down quail at night. Now, I would have settled for chicken, but, well, he's, he's doing the quail thing. That's pretty generous. And God provided just enough for each day, if you know the story. And when people tried to store it up, you know what happened to it? It went bad, and they couldn't use it anyway. And I started thinking, well, is that God really being generous in that? You know, wouldn't he just sort of store up every little thing they could carry and fill up their barrows and their, their wagons and... Why do you think he only gave them enough for each day? So that they would trust him. His abundance of supply was that throughout the whole exodus, I will look after you. But today I want you to trust me enough for today. I'll give you enough for today. At the end of the day, I will feed you at night. No need to worry the next day. But you need to trust me that I will do that. It says in Exodus, when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Each family had just what it needed. And so disciples of Christ are becoming lovers of generosity when they understand that there is enough in God's economy, there is enough supply. And if we trust God for our supply, then uh, we will never run out. Third thing is that the truth is what I have is God's to be used for his glory. And this is what we call a stewardship mindset. Stewardship's kind of a very old-fashioned word. It really just means manager. Um, and the false narrative is, well, we say, well, what's mine is mine. And, you know, if you're a, a parent or a grandparent of a, a one- or two-year-old, you'd be very familiar with the word mine. Okay, they, they say mine, you know, and what do we do? We teach them to share. share. That's right. It looks really cute on a two-year-old. It looks really ugly on a bloke my age when I go, mine, mine, mine. And so it's important that we understand that the truth is what I think is mine is really God's. And that sets up a whole different dynamic with what we have. In the Bible, it says, everything we have has come from you, Lord, and we can only give back to you what is yours already. You see, God designed us as stewards, not owners. And I think that was to protect us from being possessed by our possessions. And don't they get a hold of us? if we're not careful. Disciples of Christ are stewards and are therefore becoming lovers of generosity. You know, where money is involved, my experience is that people, my values and people's values and beliefs and attitudes can become a little bit distorted. I have in the past in my life. And people see money in different ways. You know, some people see money as an opportunity to achieve things and do things and, and uh, that, that's okay. It's, it's a lot of like exercising you know, decisions and power. Others see money as a way of influence, influencing others um, or, you know, directing things to the way they think they should happen. Others see money as caring for people when necessary and others see money as, well, let's just save it up for a rainy day. 
Now, none of those things are necessarily wrong or necessarily right. But I wanted to say to you this morning that wherever you land on the giving spectrum, God has a different view. God has a greater view than any of those four views. And his view extends to a view of generosity. And so really, rather than just saying, well, you know, this is how I was raised and this is how I see money and all that sort of stuff. If you're a follower of Jesus, your question should be, how do you want me to use what you've given me today, Lord? That's the only question. And that should surpass any personality trait or any other, you know, belief that you've been given. God wants to challenge your beliefs and realign them with how he thinks about generosity, generosity of spirit, generosity in things. I want to share a final story with you this morning. It's one of my favourite ones out of the Bible for reasons that will become obvious. Um, It's a great story about extravagant generosity and how Jesus responded. Um, it, It has profoundly affected me and it involves a place called Bethany and the name Bethany is very special in my heart and my wife's heart Um, and so I love this story for a whole bunch of reasons. Let me just read it to you and then I'll talk to you about it. It says, when Jesus was at Bethany, which was a town, a guest of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him as he was eating dinner and anointed him with a bottle of very expensive perfume. When the disciples saw what was happening, they were furious. What are you doing? This could have been sold for a lot of money and handed out to the poor. When Jesus realised what was going on, he intervened. He said, why are you giving this woman a hard time? She has just something, done something wonderfully significant for me. You will have the poor with you every day for the rest of your lives, but not so me. When she poured this perfume on my body, what she did uh, was really anoint me for burial. You can be sure that wherever in the whole world the message is preached, what she has just done is going to be remembered and admired. You see, to Jesus, it wasn't the cost that was so important. It was important to the disciples. That's all they saw. Oh, it's expensive. Can we afford that? It was her attitude of sacrifice and worship and blessing and generosity that evoked his praise. That's what impressed Jesus. He noted it as being wonderfully significant and that it would be recounted forever wherever the gospel is preached. Now, some of you may have heard that story before. Maybe you haven't. Um, But I wonder whether, have you ever thought about what would prompt someone to do that? What would prompt this woman to do this sort of thing? There's a lot of ways that you could worship Jesus. Well, here's something for extra credit today. It's not on the exam paper, so you can relax. Um, But I thought I'd just take you into my brain space a bit. You know, scholars believe that this woman was named Mary of Bethany. Um, And she is the sister of Martha. You know the story of Mary and Martha? That Mary, all right? And also the sister of Lazarus. Mary, Martha, Lazarus. You know who Lazarus was? Lazarus was the guy that Jesus brought back from the dead. He resurrected him right in front of them and the whole town. Amazing thing to do. So is it not surprising that out of love and gratitude for what Jesus did for her and her family in bringing her beloved brother back from the dead, that she would be deeply grateful 
and act with such outrageous generosity. And let me just tell you that the perfume that she used, scholars estimate that the value of it would have been a year's wages at that time. So you think about that for yourself. Pretty expensive, pretty generous, outrageously generous. I don't think there's any surprise when you connect those two stories, why she acted the way she did. And Jesus recognised that. She also had the emotional intelligence to know that this fellow is going to his death. The other disciples hadn't quite clicked in at that point, but she had, and she prepared him for that. Such a loving, gracious thing. And so therefore, disciples of Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, we are to be deeply grateful for what he has done for us. He has forgiven us. He has ensured our eternity and he has empowered us and strengthens us and guides us daily through life, regardless of what life throws at us. And sometimes it throws us a real curveball. And Jesus is there with us in that. That is a precious, precious gift. And I don't know about you, but I am deeply grateful for that. Because I know who I was before Jesus and I now know who he is and how blessed I am to have him and the family of God in my life. I am deeply grateful for that. And it's out of that deep gratitude that Jesus says, my disciples are lovers of generosity. It's about human flourishing. It's about how God impacts the world through us. It's about how he impresses the world towards his love. It's when Christians actually get generous. You know, they will know we are Christians by our love. When Christians don't act lovingly and don't act generously, that says something. And on the flip side, we're called to become lovers of generosity. And in this way, we do something wonderfully significant for Jesus. If you've ever thought, well, you know, will I ever do anything significant with my life? You know, will I ever be an influencer? You know, will I be noticed? Will I be remembered? This is a way that you can be significant in your life. It's what Jesus wanted us to do. It's what he did. He laid down his life for us. He doesn't ask you to kill yourself every day for him, but he wants you to, to pour out your life as she poured out that perfume in something extremely and wonderfully significant, extravagant, generous. That's the deal. So if you're not a follower of Jesus here today, um, we don't want your money, but Jesus wants you to have him in your life and he wants you to become a lover of generosity for the sake of the world. There are times in every church family's life when reviewing our generosity is important. You know, the last year's been pretty hard, hasn't it? Um, I know it's been hard on many of you, uh, and like some of you, we've lost loved ones in that time. So it hasn't all been a bed of roses, but I can still think of the many blessings um, that have come to my family. And one of them was the birth of a new little granddaughter. And I can see others here today have little children in their life. I know all of you could probably count your blessings. And what Jesus is saying is, be generous out of that blessing, because we are blessed to be a blessing. And so I'll just encourage you, if you're a gateway person and if you're a follower of Jesus, here's a, an action point for you this week. Why don't you think through how you give 
and think, how have I been blessed? And is there an opportunity for me to pass that blessing on for the sake of the world so that you can partner with God in human flourishing? You know, God's spirit pours out into our life if we follow him. And it's like pouring new wine into our life, fresh, fruity and flourishing. And so let's just pray and thank God for that. We're going to sing about that in a minute. Father, we do thank you for the way that you come into our life and you come with abundance. You don't come with a stingy heart. You don't come with an untrusting or a fearful heart a grasping heart. You come with a loving, generous, abundant heart. And we love you for that, Lord. And as we seek to follow you, we want to become lovers of generosity as you are. We want to follow you in all ways, including how we deal with our life, our time, talent and treasure. Help us to do that, Lord, in your name and for your sake. And God's people said...